I do want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and at this time I'm just going to read verses 9 through 11. We started this passage last week and uh, decided we'd just go partway through it, and we'll, we'll finish, that, uh, finish that today. Um, Romans 8, uh, verses 9 through 11. We are uh, working our way through a series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit indwells us. Um, we'll look uh, in a couple of weeks, the Spirit illuminating um, us and, and then interceding. You notice I've got alliteration in all of these little groups as we're working through the Holy Spirit. Um, thanks to my son-in-law who helped me with that. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead uh, because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Again, pray with me. We call upon you, our God and Father, since all fullness of wisdom and light is found in you, mercifully, Enlighten us by your Holy Spirit in the true understanding and application of your word. Amen. I recently saw a little YouTube clip from the David Letterman show. And uh, he was interviewing a very normal-looking, very pleasant-looking 26-year-old guy. And, um, and, and this, this guy was, was there on the Letterman Show because he was a savant. Do you know what that is? It is someone who has, uh, has great ability uh, in some, uh, some field of learning or, or intelligence. And, uh, and, and he, this young man, corrected David and said that he was not just a savant, but he was a prodigious uh, savant, which means he was a really super rare guy with amazing math ability. Uh, in the course of the conversation, uh, Letterman tested him and said, okay, I was born on April 12th, 1947. What day of the week was that? And the guy computed just a little bit. He said, well, that was a Saturday. And it was. He, he then went on to, uh, uh, went on to, to talk about this uh, mathematical thing called pi. Uh, some of you may, may uh, understand what that is. I had to look it up again. Um, it is the ratio of a circumference of a circle to its diameter a ratio of the circumference to the diameter, 
the uh, the circumference being uh, I would su- I would suggest three uh, times larger than the greater than the diameter. Now, what people do, this letter, this number pi is, is 3.1415, but then it goes on in infinity. You never get to the end of it. And there are some people like this savant who would memorize pi out it's a certain number of digits. I know my daughter had some people in her class that could uh, knew it out to a hundred places. One, three point one four one five, and then a hundred different numbers. Just you don't have to say it. Guess how many places this guy knew pi out? How many places? He he knew pi three point one four one five dot 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 out twenty two thousand. 514 places. And he could have just named every one of them right there, he said. Now, what is, what is the point of this? A normal guy with unbelievable abilities that you just, you just would never expect. People, look around the room. People are not what they appear to be. We are, like that guy, normal looking. All of us normal looking. Few of us outstanding. Most of us normal. But the reality is, if you are a follower, if you know Jesus, you are you are amazingly gifted. Reality is way, way different than appearance. You see, we often see people according to the flesh. We often judge people according to what we see. We, we judge people, perhaps, in a close relationship, as someone who is seemingly always under the power of sin, can never change. You just have low expectations for this person in a marriage. You would find yourself repeating the same arguments with the same discouraging conclusion and then just walk out of the room. Kids, you, you have in your family um, maybe a sibling or two that you really are annoyed by. And you, 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 you poke each other, the other one pokes back, and it always ends poorly, but you keep doing it. And you see each other as just, you're, you're stuck in this flesh that overpowers you. Friendships. You've tried to be honest with someone, and, and you give up and you just sort of stay shallow because it's hard. It's hard to have a friend. We treat each other, we treat each other uh, according to the flesh. We treat each other oftentimes as dead-end uh, people that are just following, uh, following in Adam, uh, the first man. Now, all, all of this to say that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit, changes us radically. You remember, if you believe 
in the Lord Jesus. The Spirit indwells you. This is what verse 9 says. You are a spiritualized person. You are a pneumatized person. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has located you in Christ. That is who you are. But having gotten there, verse 10 describes that if the Spirit is present, well, then there's a battle against the flesh. And so the Holy Spirit stirs up the battle against the flesh. And, and there we are, as Galatians 5, verse 17 says, the Spirit uh, uh, lusts against the flesh and flesh against the Spirit. And now we get to verse 11, that the Holy Spirit gives us life now. The Holy Spirit through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, gives us life now, but only part of the life that we're going to enjoy. Part now, more later. Much more later. And even now, that can and should revolutionize our lives. I want you, very simply today, to practice seeing others and to practice seeing yourself according to the Spirit. A brand new person according to to the Spirit. Practice seeing yourselves according to the Spirit. Now, as I said, the Spirit gives life now. The Spirit gives you life now. The resurrection, life power of Christ is in us already. I want to consider it this way. Um, Jesus' body in the tomb did not decompose. It, it, It did not decay The Spirit was present in that tomb. Calvin puts it this way. The grave of Christ was filled, uh, the tomb of Christ was filled as if embalmed in the life-giving perfume of the Spirit that it might be to him, to Christ, the gate to immortal glory. The presence of the Spirit in the tomb for Jesus, a gateway to life, and ultimately to immortal glory. And that opens the gate for us, as those in the body of Christ here on earth, to be kept and preserved in our union with this living Christ. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. Verse 9, again. But verse 10 goes on again to talk about the Spirit is life. The Spirit is life because of something. And that is because of righteousness. Uh, Because the Lord Jesus um, um, fulfilled in our place what we call the substitutionary atonement, dying for our sins. Uh, Because of that, um, that death for you, you have all kinds of life uh, that is uh, precious. Uh, And I want to pick up again on Romans 8, 1 through 5. And listen again for this. What has the death of Christ secured for you? What is What life has he secured for you? There is therefore now no condemnation. That's the first thing. The Spirit provides righteousness so there is no judgment against you. For those who are in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free, liberty to obey God in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for our sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled on us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. 
And then I, I retranslated verse 5 for you, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. Because I want you to see, if you are believing in Jesus, you are of or according to the Spirit. That's your identity. It is a lifestyle, but it is, first of all, an identity. One more point about this, and that is that in this spiritualized life that we have, the glory of God has already begun in us. Paul says elsewhere, you are being transformed. That is, you are being acted on by the Holy Spirit who is, and the control of sin has been broken. You are being transformed into the same image, Paul goes on to say. That is, we're becoming like our Savior. We are not losing our personality. We are, we are, are being changed. Our rough edges filed down and living out the glory of Jesus' character with the personality that he has given to us. And that's why I use the language of the Spirit is beautifying you. Not only that, but it goes from one degree of glory to another. You are being transformed into the same image from one degree. This almost, this stretches our minds even to be able to grasp. Again, look around at this room and consider that that the people here, faith in Christ ministry of the Spirit transforming us into the same image and we are changing from one degree of glory to another. Now, we normally think of getting better uh, as as breaking old habits and starting new habits. Shedding old behaviors and forming new ones. Now, habits are important. It is very important that we habitually find ourselves in God's house to worship Him. We thank Him for that. We thank Him for Sabbath. It is important for us to be in the habit of worship. It is important for us to be in the habit of reading our Bibles, the disciplines of reading our Bibles, memorizing Scripture, even though that's hard for some of us. It is is important to do that. It is important for us to be in the discipline of repentance. When you sin against someone, you you know what to do with it. You confess your sins to them, and to each other. It is important to remember the discipline of joy. Having sinned, having repented, you say, Lord, fill my heart with the glory of forgiveness by the work of the Spirit. You see, all of these habits are putting you in the way of the Spirit, and He does change you. He is glorifying you in stages. Do you see it? Do you see it? I find myself in my later years here, responding, for example, to my dear wife in ways differently than I once did. It's embarrassing to say, but I I have been irritated at her from time to time. Hard to believe. But I I find myself, as the Spirit works in me, a a greater gentleness and patience, and, and we're both growing older. Both have a little bit of grace to each other, right? This is, this is the work of the Spirit in it. Have you noticed that yourself? A, a change. 
You oftentimes see that as you look back and you see that once you re- reacted harshly, but now you are following James more, more closely. You're quicker to listen and slower to speak and slower to become angry. This is the work of the Spirit. Look for it. Praise God for it. And, and in the words of Jesus from John 14, do you know this Spirit? Do you know Him? For He dwells with you and will be in you. He's that close. Have you gotten to know the Spirit? The Spirit is giving you that life now. But as I said, there is much more that is coming. Um, Christ's resurrection life will one day transform your body. Will one day uh, transform your body. He who dwells in you will complete the renovation uh, later on. I just want to... I just, you turn with me if, if you wish. First Corinthians 15. I want to pick up at verse 42 and just, or just listen to these words. Listen to this. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, um, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life, became a life-giving, um, a, a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, as it is in the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born, have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we also bear the image of the man of heaven. You will be infused with the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification will be completed in this later glorification. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's where you're going, you who are in the Spirit. Now, now so what? What, what, How does this affect the way we relate to each other? How does it affect the way we live, uh, especially in our families? I implore you, do not look at anyone in the same old way. Don't look at anyone in the same way. Paul puts it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, regard no one according to the flesh. Regard no one as a human being only. Look at no one apart from the Spirit's work. Look at no believer apart from the righteousness of Jesus given as a gift. Look at no believer as one who is bound simply to this life. Paul, you see, fell into that trap with Jesus. (laughs) He thought of him originally as just a man and a fraud at that. Certainly no Messiah. 
And then he says, but he regards, I regard him thus no longer. (laughs) I have altered my way of seeing Jesus. I look at him very differently now. But Paul then extends that and he says, he says, regard no one according to what you see. Regard no one is just a pleasant looking 26 year old guy showing up on the David Letterman show. He's got way more than that. You've got way more than that. Regard Jesus that way, thus no longer, Paul did. For Jesus emerged from the tomb as the first fruits of the new creation, ushering in the beauty of the new order. This, this, I, I, a, a quote from C.S. Lewis, um, uh, um, forget the essay, sorry, but this is from C.S. Lewis. He says, it is a serious thing to live in the society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you meet now, if at all, only in a nightmare. All uh, day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. So what do we do with this? Um, See others as new creations. See others as spirit indwelt. Uh, See others in the early stages of this new creation process. See them as righteous and on their way to glory. See them as those being changed by the Holy Spirit. Don't give up on anyone. Look at no Christian as flesh only without the Spirit. Our default, typically, our default is that we see people according to the flesh where their sins and their failures stick to them like Velcro. In a close relationship, a marriage, say, there are past hurts that haunt you today. And today's sins bring back all of the pain of years past. What have we done? So often, we have chosen to measure and to judge, count sins against them, as if that person were not justified by God himself. In other words, we are more righteous and we are more holy than God, who accepts sinners. James says, James 4 says, we have elevated ourselves to the position of judge. I would say instead that it is is our part to grieve as the Spirit does. If we douse on another person, throw water on another person, despite the Spirit's work. You see, each Christian is in a Spirit-guided growth pattern. Of course we wish they were farther along. No duh, as my kids 
next door neighbor said growing up, Kimmy would say that, no duh. Of course we want them to be further along. But guess what? They want you to be further along too. When we, when we repent then and, and, and ask for forgiveness, um, see them as spirit indwelt with Christ's righteous life growing from glory to glory. And when you see another person as spiritualized, not just according to the flesh, you see another person as spiritualized, you cannot help but have a tender heart towards him or her. Parents, this also uh, relates to how, well, how you see your children. Um, I, I, want, I want you to consider this. You are looking at your children um, in the early stages of being a new creation. Okay, very early stages, but you're looking at them as as in the new stages of early stages of being a new creation. Yes, they say and do things that frustrate you, uh, and yes, it is possible for you to react out of impatience and anger. Yes, I am aware of all those things, but it it will help you to view them as a holy child. And that's what, how Paul identifies them, of course, in 1 Corinthians 7. A holy child in whom the Spirit is working. And what you want to do as a parent is to cooperate with the Spirit rather than work against the Spirit. You want to feed the ministry of the Spirit, not douse it with water. I want, again, from James, and I'll change the words a little bit to fit us, to fit us parents. Your anger doesn't produce the righteous life in your child that that God requires. Your anger doesn't produce righteousness. In fact, we learn instead from, from Proverbs that your soft answer turns away wrath. It is your harsh, harsh word that stirs the pot, stirs up more anger. You learn having been softened by the Spirit and seeing them indwelt by the Spirit, you're able to speak kindly and gently, cooperating with the present reigning Christ and the indwelling Spirit. It is an awesome thing, and I use that word in its fullest possible sense, it is an awesome thing that God has entrusted you with an image-bearer a little image bear in your home in which you can, you can, you can pray for that person and, and see, work towards the, the spiritual life of Christ growing up in her. You have been privileged to be an image bearer. Hold her gently. Hold her gently. And practice, practice seeing your child with Psalm 8 eyes. <laughs> Practicing your child through the lens of Psalm 8 as a gifted image bearer. Changing, changing course a little bit here. Many years ago, obviously, many years ago, Gail was struggling to teach math to one of our kids. Gail was not able to translate things into words and structures that would help this young child learn math. 
And she got really frustrated with this and felt, uh, I don't know how she felt. She was frustrated. But she did, she did go to one of our other daughters. And she asked this other daughter, would you, would you pray for me? Because I'm not able to do teaching very well to, this, your sis, to your sister. And this daughter said, yes, she would pray. But, but later on, uh, Gail saw that that older sibling was in, in that other child's room and was teaching her math in a way that she could understand. And daughter number three was getting it. What's, what's beautiful about that? You're, you're looking in your children for gifts and abilities that God has put there that will enable them to shine in this world and to be effective in this world. This, this second daughter did grow into a great teacher. See your children with Psalm 8 eyes and embrace the awesome privilege of seeing these kids grow up for the glory of God. Well, as, as hard as it might be to see other people as spirit-indwelt people of the Spirit, it might even be harder to see that in yourself. And so this is a harder one. But see yourself as a new creation. Don't give up on you. It's hard because we see a history of failures really well in our own hearts and lives. We may be plagued by them. And it may be very difficult to believe that we truly are forgiven, let alone have the righteousness of Christ, when we do the same thing yet again. And it's precisely at that point that we must remember, as we confess our sin to the Lord, as we confess our sin to the other person, that we, we, we have the righteousness of Jesus and we have the indwelling Spirit to help us in this journey. We forget, amazingly, we forget about the gift of Jesus' righteousness for us. But Peter puts it this way in his second letter, uh, first chapter, if you find yourself ineffective or unproductive, and who of us doesn't find ourselves there from time to time, if you find yourself ineffective and unproductive as, as a Christian, uh, and unfruitful in your knowledge of Christ, you've got, you've got a vision problem. Okay? I'm, I'm going to take these off. I am, I am nearsighted, which means that I can see things nearby. If I get close enough, I can see them clearly close up. But I can barely see who you, you folks are from a distance. I, I know Carol. Carol's got that beautiful white hair. I can see Carol anywhere I can see Carol. All right. But others of you may be a little bit less clearly. Now, what, listen to what Peter goes on to say. He goes on to say, if you are ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, um, you, are, you are nearsighted. That is, you can only see the things really up close. You cannot see the cross of Jesus. You're nearsighted and blind. And having forgotten or not being able to see that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been cleansed from your past sins. 
Wherever you see a pattern of repeated failure, there will be a couple of things going on. Um, You will have given up confessing it as sin. And you will have given up enjoying the glory and the beauty and the blessings of forgiveness. Those two things, those two things, you forget to remember that God has forgiven your past sins. You have the gift of righteousness if you are a believer in Jesus. Remember that. But remember also that the Spirit is working transformation in you even if you don't see it. Thank God for your personality, <laughs> uh, for your gifts um, into which the Spirit is breathing the likeness of Jesus. He's not erasing you. He's not, he's not throwing you away because you're just so deeply flawed. He, he instead is breathing the life of Jesus into your personality with your gifts and your challenges. Sweetening it so that your giftedness and your grace shines even brighter. And that you now are becoming more like what you will be. I know that's hard. It's hard for us to see. And that's why a couple of you in this room have told me from time to time, I see changes in you that I could not see myself. We need that. We need that. You are in process. This is not, of course, to boast in pride, but to give glory to God. And he encourages us. Christians don't think God loves them because they are good, but because, um, but that God makes us good because he loves us. That's what he does. He's changing us, making us good. So just two questions. Um, how, do, do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Are you getting to know the Holy Spirit? Where the Spirit is, there is repentance. Is there something about which you've just given up talking to God about? He's not going to work. I'm not going to change. The Spirit indwelt person does not give up on herself or himself. Right there, as you... Confess your sins. Trust that Jesus, in fact, does forgive. And don't ever forget that it's not just about confession. It's not, it's not the end of the game. The end of the game is friendship with God. That, that God forgives your sins so that you can enjoy friendship with Him. You're, you're walking in joy, rejoicing. The Holy Spirit loves to give you the joy of walking clean. And kids, kids, um, are you trusting Jesus today? Not, not, not just living in your household and coming to church and doing the churchy things, which are all good, but are you trusting in Jesus today? 
and, and I want to just ask, encourage you to do, do, do a couple things. And that is, when you have a spat at home, when you have, take responsibility for your part and say that you are sorry, even if the other person started. Start there. Start there. And Jesus will forgive you, and you will walk in joy, and you will get to know the Holy Spirit better and better. Whenever you're disrespectful to your parents, tell them, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And he promises to clean you and to change you like only he can do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you um, for the beauty of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the, um, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us that we are getting to know him because he is with us and he is in us. And we pray that you would, um, you, would, you would radically change the way we look at ourselves and the way we look at one another for your glory as, as those who are of the Spirit. And so we pray for the ongoing renovating work of your spirit. For it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.